Hello, everyone. I'm Laura Ellsworth, welcoming you to Prairie Doc Radio. This is a program of the Healing Words Foundation, a 501c3 founded by Dr. Rick Holm. In honor of National Diabetes Awareness Month, we are excited to have Katie Vanderwall in the studio with us today. Katie is a registered dietitian at Brookings Health System. She provides nutrition care services to hospital, home health, and hospice patients, as well as to the residents at the neighborhoods at Brookview Skilled Nursing Home. She also sees patients on an outpatient basis and provides diabetic education. Good morning, Katie. Thank you for being here with us today. Yes, that sounds like a mouthful. I'm not sure who that lady is. She sounds busy. She does a lot, doesn't she? Yes. Yes. Yeah, Katie, tell us about yourself. Well, so I've been a registered dietitian at Brookings Health System for a little over 15 years now. And clearly learning as I go, just like everybody else does. So, um, and I live just outside of Brookings with my husband and children. So love the Brookings community and love being here to care for people. And you're a farm family as well. That's a we big are. part of your life. Yes, harvest yeah. just wrapped up. So we are all breathing for a minute and trying to put ourselves back together. <laughs> yes. So, yes. Absolutely. Well, thank you for being here today. What made you uh, interested in becoming a dietitian? Sure. So, you know, years ago, um, as a child, my mom and dad um, encouraged 4-H with us, With which I know some people know what 4-H is and some people don't. It's an organization where you can explore tons of different project areas and learn and grow and go in lots of different directions. So the nutrition area always intrigued me, um, and I don't know that I even really realized it. So when it came time to pick a career in college, I was picking something completely different, and my mom said, you know, I think you should look at nutrition. Mm -hmm. So um, that's the avenue that I ended up going and, of course, loved it. So. Yeah, it is um, great to have ways to explore different career paths yeah. and learn about different things. It was really fun. I went to the South Dakota State Fair for the first time in my life yes. this year and ran into your family there. Yes. And you are a 4-H family we now. We are. We are yes. a 4-H family. All the kids are in 4-H. Our littlest is even just a clover bud, meaning she gets to explore it. But you bet. We showed livestock. We had sheep. We had pigs. We did special foods. My middle one, Callie, did special foods. So she, too, is learning about nutrition and consumer decision making and horticulture judging so lots of opportunities for the kids they can pick whatever they want avenues in life so yeah, yeah. and now as a dietitian um, with Brookings Health System what are some of the ways that you help patients well I'm lucky enough to get to take care of patients in lots of different areas obviously inpatient wise we have such a variety of different people people that are young that are old that have nutrition concerns for their gut maybe they um, have a new colostomy maybe it's somebody that is in for something else but has diabetes and we need to talk about how to tune that up a little bit. You know, maybe it's a patient in the ICU that needs a tube feeding. I get to help with those types of things as well. Um, nursing home care is different, but also there. Our residents need support and advice to kind of direct them in their health as well. Um, and then outpatient is the one where I probably see the most one-on-one -on -one diabetes care, but truly see it through the whole spectrum. Um, and so outpatient is probably where I do the most diabetes education, um, but also do education for um, weight loss or celiac disease or any other nutrition concern you might have. Okay. And we have you here today because yes. November is National Diabetes Month. It is. Why is it important for us to dedicate a month to diabetes awareness? Because diabetes is very prevalent, almost more of a 
epidemic than you might even think it is. I mean, truly, what did we say, Bob? 2% or 2.8% of the population is considered undiagnosed with diabetes, so one in three people. Then if you look at people diagnosed with diabetes, um, you're looking at 10% of the population. So just a huge amount. I mean, you know, look at your next family gathering at Thanksgiving. 10% of the people there, or 13% of the people, probably have diabetes. Mm -hmm. That's a really large percent. Mm -hmm. You know, and diabetes is something that that's more and more common, more and more prevalent. Um, And it's something that we just really need to work on learning about, supporting each other to care for ourselves, and really just being aware if it's something that, you know, might creep up on us in our life. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems like prevention is probably really important, which I know is a big part of what you do, and that early detection, and then managing it. Yes, all different topics we could talk about for so long. You know, prevention is probably the number one thing every single one of us could do. I mean, we all can be better. We can exercise more. We can live a healthier life. And that really is a, is a choice. I tell tons of patients, we all have choices, lots of them. Mm-hmm. So we choose what we want to do and what direction we want to take our health and our family's health. You know, at that next family gathering, are we going to choose to sit around or are we going to choose to schedule sledding down the hill or rent the gym at the school and go play, you know, games? It's just as good for the adults as it is for the kids. Yes. And it just promotes that health and wellness. Get up, get moving, get going. You know, prevention is going to be key. Um, When it comes to um, taking care of yourself and kind of screening, there's tons of different risk risk factors. If you have any family member that has diabetes, you're at a higher risk for having it. If you have are overweight, you're at a higher risk for having diabetes. If you have high blood pressure, if you have high cholesterol, I mean, all of those things are very common. That puts you at a higher risk. So that means that when you're in for your annual checkups and you notice, I don't feel perfect, or you notice that... I, you know, have been drinking a lot and peeing a lot or extra tired or all of those things, I should ask for the doctor to run that lab test. Do I have diabetes? Just check for it. Mm -hmm. doesn't hurt anything to run that lab. Mm -hmm. Just to make sure that you're really on top of it and have those discussions with your regular provider. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's good to just keep it top of mind and and to think about. Well, it's time for us to go to our first break, and uh, we're looking forward to spending the next half hour talking with Katie about diabetes and nutrition and um, whatever topics our listeners have. So if you have a question you would like us to address this morning, call us now at 605-692-1430. 605-692-1430 with any questions that you would like us to address today with our dietitian Katie Vanderwall. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Academic success is an excellent indicator for the overall well-being of youth and a primary predictor and determinant of adult health outcomes. Leading national education organizations recognize the close relationship between health and education, as well as the need to foster health and well-being within the educational environment for all students. If you find your student struggling with classwork, seek help early. The school counselors may be able to direct you to a tutor to help the student stay on course. Also talk with your provider at the Avera Medical Group Brookings to have your student's health evaluated. There is a variety of issues that 
could be causing the poor grades, such as poor sleep or attention deficit disorder. Call today for an appointment, 605-697-9500. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Brookings Health System dietitian Katie Vanderwall with us in honor of National Diabetes Awareness Month. If you have a question you would like us to address, give us a call at 605-692-1430. Katie, could you explain to us the different types of diabetes? Absolutely. So there's three main types of diabetes, and truly, if we dig deeper, there's a few other types. We're not going to really talk about those today. Um, The three main types that are most common are going to be type 1, type 2, and gestational. So obviously, gestational is just going to be for those pregnant moms, Mm -hmm. you know, and a lot of times, maybe they have a predisposition for gestational diabetes, but really, it truly is more of a hormonal issue. Their hormones are just kind of making their blood sugars go up. Their body's not really keeping up. The other two most common are going to be type 1 and 2. So type 1 is when your body no longer produces any insulin at all. Some sort of virus or damage will happen to your beta cells in your pancreas to make them not produce any insulin. So with diabetes, when we eat foods like carbohydrates, they make our blood sugar go up. And then naturally, our body responds with an insulin to help our blood sugars come down. Insulin acts like a key to our cell door. So insulin comes into our blood, and it opens our little cell doors so all that sugar gets tucked away. Okay, So when our body no longer produces insulin in a type 1, then what happens is our sugar just sits in our blood for a very long time. And our body doesn't, it can't utilize that energy. It's just hanging out there. So the only way to treat type 1 would be to take insulin and check your blood sugars multiple times a day. More common in children. Usually it's called like youth onset or childhood diabetes. But adults can also get it as well. Okay. Type 2 diabetes is probably the most common. And that's one where, kind of like I explained earlier, you know, we eat the carbohydrates, our blood sugar goes up. But maybe our body doesn't produce quite enough insulin. Or maybe the insulin is there, but our cells aren't receiving it very well. And so what happens is that management for type 2 diabetes is diet, exercise, make that process work a little bit better. You might have to take some pills to help your body squeeze a little more insulin out or help it receive that insulin at those cells a little bit better. Some people with type 2 diabetes have a really mild case. Some people have a more advanced, difficult-to-manage case. So those would be the two main types and kind of the difference between the two of them. Um, And also kind of indicating that everybody's diabetes is going to be very, very different. Mm -hmm. Okay, so we have these two different types. And then there's also something called pre-diabetes. Yes. And what is that if we are told, oh, you have pre-diabetes? Very good question, Laura. (laughs) So pre-diabetes is when, let's say you're in for your annual checkup, and the doctor runs that lab, that blood sugar value, that glucose, And your numbers aren't in a diabetic range, but boy, they're getting close. You know, and especially if you have a history of diabetes, they're going to say, okay, or family history. They're going to say, you know what, you have prediabetes. And that means that it's close. We're knocking on the door. Mm -hmm. We, that door is going to be open shortly. So you can do something about it. That's when we use the same methods of how we treat diabetes, diet, exercise. Let's make some lifestyle changes. Let's make good choices, as I often say, to hopefully prevent us from getting it. 
And actually, on Brookings Health System's um, Facebook page, we have a link to a pre-diabetes risk test. Hmm. And so it kind of has you go through, like, your age, male or female. Have you ever been diagnosed with gestational diabetes? Do you have a family history? Do you have high blood pressure? Are you physically active? Weight? And it gives you a score to kind of help you realize, am I going to be at risk for pre-diabetes? Am I at risk for diabetes or not? which might flip that switch in your brain to say, I should do something about this. And from t- you talking earlier about the prevalence of diabetes, it sounds like many of us are probably at risk. Yeah. yeah. And many of us probably have that pre-diabetes. We haven't had our labs checked. We sure. haven't been into the doctor in a year or two because of the pandemic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So certainly some of us probably have it and we don't know it. So what are some of those things we can do if, if we're pre-diabetic um, to help not get to that next level. Yes. Um, what, do you, what do you recommend? One of the first things the doctor is going to say, diet and exercise. Yes. <laughs> sometimes they explain that. Sometimes they don't have time or sometimes right. they might not. And sometimes you don't listen. Yes. So, but that truly is it. And how many times have we heard that? So usually we say, if you can lose 10% of your weight, okay, that would help. So if you weigh 200 pounds, if you could lose 20 Mm-hmm. That would be fantastic. Mm-hmm. Even if you could lose 10, that would be great. Um, help get that weight off because sometimes, like we said with type 2 diabetes, that process isn't working very well. And so if we can relieve some weight from our body, it might help that whole process of our body producing insulin and our cells receiving it work better. So number one thing we can do. Number two thing we can do is take a minute and educate yourself a little bit about that diabetic diet carbohydrates, it's not just avoiding sugar. You know, that was kind of an old-fashioned thought process. Now it is um, carbohydrates. We realize that not just sugar makes your blood sugar go up, but carbohydrates do as well. And that would be found in a lot of foods, even ones that are healthy, Laura, like starchy foods, um, breads, cereals, pastas, grains, milk, fruit, and then, of course, our desserts that we all seem to kind of love. Mm -hmm. So some unhealthy foods have carbs, but some healthy foods do. So learn what has carbs. Mm -hmm. Then we need to work on spreading them out evenly throughout the day. So for example, you know, when we calorie count, if we don't eat it at breakfast and lunch, we can pack it on at supper time because we're still in our calorie allotment. Not when you have diabetes. Spreading those carbohydrates evenly throughout the day is going to be better. And I should say, not for anybody. It's not really good for anybody. It's kind of hard on our body when we do that. Have some carbohydrate at breakfast, some at lunchtime, and some again at supper time. Try to keep it more even so we don't make our body work so hard at certain points in time during the day. Why stress it out? Try Mm -hmm. to be a little bit more even about it if you can. Mm -hmm. Because like you said, several of those foods you mentioned, they are healthy and part of our balanced diet. Yes. But we need to spread them out throughout the day. And that's a hard thing. Some people say, I eat super healthy. I had fruit and yogurt and milk and a big smoothie for breakfast. Mm -hmm. Wonderful. Lots of healthy, good, nutritious foods. But too much of them at any point in time can be hard on our body. Mm -hmm. Got it. So, um, yeah, so spreading them out throughout the day. That's yep. good advice. I'm just trying to think that through how what I do and how yes. that would affect um, the way that I schedule my, my meals and, and for the kids as well. Yep. Um, and yep. how you do that. Yeah. So if we 
if someone does have, let's talk about that type one diabetes a yeah. little bit more that you, that you mentioned is often a youth onset diabetes and is when our bodies just aren't producing insulin. What are some ways that we manage that? So to manage type one diabetes, um, number one, you have to check your blood sugars three, four, five, six times a day, lots of times a day. Um, also you take insulin. You're going to take a long acting insulin to kind of bring your overall blood sugar down. And then you're going to take a short acting insulin with every single meal that you eat. And also with that, it's going to depend on what you eat. You know, when I talked about carbohydrates, people with type one diabetes have to learn to identify exactly how many grams of carbohydrate are in the foods they eat. And that's something that we, as our diabetes education team, teaches them. Okay. And they learn it, you know, with time as well. So they take a long-acting insulin once or twice a day, and then at each meal they count their carbohydrates, they check their blood sugar, and they take more insulin. So you'll oftentimes see people giving themselves shots and checking those blood sugars multiple times a day. However, there's a lot of new technology out there, Laura. Mm -hmm. So you might also see kids or adults with an insulin pump or what we call a continuous glucose monitor. Fantastic technology to really help us manage it. So we're not poking ourselves so many times a day. It's making diabetes a little more pleasant, even though it's not always very pleasant. Mm -hmm. So those tools can, like the continuous glucose monitor, you wear it and it checks your blood sugar every five minutes. Some of the machines actually will talk to your insulin pump to tell it where it's at. Some of them don't. But regardless, you're not poking your finger. You're just swiping a machine, you know, to kind of look at what that blood sugar level is. Mm -hmm. And then the insulin pump, what that does is that automatically gives you your insulin throughout the day, kind of a pre-programmed amount. But then when you, you know, we talked about carbohydrate counting at your meal. When you go to eat your meal, you tell your pump, I ate this many grams of carbohydrate. And per its built-in calculations that you and the doctor have done, it will administer exactly how many how much insulin that you would need mm. to kind of get that blood sugar down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I feel like um, diet can be kind of overwhelming for those of us who just want to be healthier in general. But yes. when, um, I mean, this is, this is significantly important. If you have diabetes, <laughs> like this is um, life affecting. Yes. And so you mentioned that you support patients in this. How do you do that? Is this like a, like I'm di my child yep. is diagnosed with diabetes. Where yep. do we begin? How do you support a so, family yeah. in so that? So oftentimes what happens is if you have somebody diagnosed with type 1, yep. you're 99% you're of the time you end up in the hospital because your blood sugars are so high. Okay. Hours and hours of teaching. Hours of teaching. You know, if it's whether it's me here or whether it's in a different hospital, that dietitian, that diabetic educator is going to sit down with you and go through, these are the foods that have carbohydrate. Mm -hmm. These are the foods that we need to count. This is how we count them. And at every meal, we walk back in that room. Let's count our carbohydrate at our meal. Let's count it at the next meal. Let's read a food label. We really go through every little bit and teach them what are your activities, what are your, the, you know, what is normal eating habits for you guys. So it's kind of like a snowball to the face for them. Yeah, um, Very overwhelming because you get home and it's once you get it in the hospital, it's a safe environment. We know what we're doing. Mm -hmm. Once you get home, the foods are different. Mm -hmm. The the schedule, the routine is different. The I want a fruit snack. The mm -hmm. I'm going to run and play with my friends and they don't know I have diabetes and their mom gave me a different snack. That is difficult. So just being available, having that ability for those parents or f people that have type 1 diabetes, 
call with questions, come in in a week. How are things going? Write things down. Let's figure this out together. Mm-hmm. Yeah. As you mentioned, the mom giving a, diff- a random snack to a child. Yes. Um, we're often asked as parents to send snacks to school or yes. different activities. So as a dietitian, Katie, what do you <laughs> recommend we send as the snack oh. for these events? Is there a good go-to snack? Yes and no. Okay. It is hard. You know, it depends on what it's for. It's really hard for a special celebration, like a yeah. birthday to send string cheese Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's very hard to do that um if you the healthier you can keep it the better you know even if you did like string cheese and milk or Mm -hmm. if you did bananas or you did a piece of fruit there's still carbohydrate there but it still is going to affect your blood sugar a lot slower a lot less quickly than a very sugary snack would Mm -hmm. um even a fruit snack i know some schools allow fruit snacks with whole you know with actual fruit juice in it still has about the same effect as like a candy bar or a piece of cake would. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a lot of those people that have, those parents that have kids with type 1 diabetes, hopefully they know how to manage those situations as best. I know they educate the teachers and the school and the what have you, but if you can try to keep it as healthy as you can and kind of create that culture, it's helpful. Mm -hmm. Sometimes I say if you're going to send a sweet treat, send one that has nuts in it because then there's less carbohydrate there. Sure. (laughs) You know, the nuts are filling up a little bit of that spot, not all sugar. Yeah. Great advice. Well, I'm going to take our next break. So if our listeners have a question for Katie today, you'll have a chance to get that called in. Our phone number here is 605-692-1430. We thank you for listening to Prairie Doc Radio on KBRK and on our podcast. Call us now at 605-692-1430 with any questions you would like us to address. Prairie Doc programs are available as a podcast. Just look for Prairie Doc wherever you get your podcast. Today's program will be added to the podcast soon. We will return following this informative message from the Avera Medical Group. Skin cancer is the most common cancer in the United States. Unprotected skin can be damaged by the sun's UV rays in less than 15 minutes. Even if it's cool and cloudy, you still need protection. UV rays, not the temperature, do the damage. Anyone can get skin cancer, but some things put you at higher risk. The most common signs of skin cancer are changes on your skin, such as a new growth, a sore that doesn't heal, or a change in a mole. Tips to avoid skin cancer include stay in the shade, especially during the late morning through mid-afternoon, Apply sunscreen and reapply every two hours. SPF of 30 or greater is recommended. Have your skin checked regularly and have it checked by a professional at your wellness checks. This message is brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Welcome back to Prairie Doc Radio. I'm Laura Ellsworth, and today we have Brookings Health System dietitian Katie Vanderwall with us in honor of National Diabetes Awareness Month. If you have a question you would like us to address, give us a call at 605 692 1430. 
Uh, if you're just joining us, Katie has been with us um, discussing diabetes awareness, um, the different types of diabetes, and some important things we can do to help prevent diabetes as we consider what we're eating and um, our exercise and all of that. Uh, just before the break, Katie, you were talking about managing diabetes and some of the technology that's available now to do that. I know a big obstacle must be the cost associated with managing yeah. diabetes. Yes, costs, you know, a fact that mm-hmm. I was had shared earlier, like in 2017 is when the last data I could find, the excess medical cost per person associated with diabetes was around $9,600. You know, think about it in the aspect of, number one, you have more medication prescriptions. Those mm-hmm. are definitely going to cost. And that varies based on our health insurance plan. You need to have a blood sugar checking device, which doesn't always cost a lot, but the test strips and the lancets and such to go with it definitely have another copay, Mm -hmm. you know, another prescription copay. Then you have the cost of additional care. You know, all of us go in and see our provider, we're supposed to every year. Mm -hmm. Your patients with diabetes are going in anywhere from two to four times a year because they need their blood sugar checked on a more regular basis. They need those things checked. Also, a lot of them are often referred to specialties. Um, so when you have diabetes, you're at a higher risk for kidney disease. So you might be seeing a kidney doctor as well. Then you've got you know more copays, more care in that aspect. You might have to see a podiatrist because you have poor circulation in your feet. And so you might need to see that person as well. You're looking at special shoes, more copays, more care. You're going to see the eye doctor more frequently because you're at a higher risk for having circulation issues in your eyes. Mm. So, I mean, an, a cardiology appointment, I mean, just the extravagance of all of the different care that you need is really a lot. And so mm-hmm. then again, that cost is going to be higher. And the technology is great, but, you know, just as phones and other technology things, they all cost money. Right, right. Yeah, yeah that is interesting how diabetes kind of affects many systems in your body and organs. Yeah. Blood sugar control is so important. You know, we always say a normal hemoglobin A1C is 6.3 and below. And hemoglobin A1C measures the average blood sugar over the last three months. 6.4 and above tells us you've got diabetes. We often say, well, seven and under is good control for an A1C. But if you think about it, it, your blood sugars are still elevated at seven. So we really should have a goal of 6.4 and below. but, And then the older we get, the more lax we are with it, just because there's risks of highs and lows and how patients feel. But, um, yeah, certainly thinking about, yeah, all these different systems and how that's all included. Yes. And certainly um, all that extra sugar is floating around in your blood vessels and veins, mm-hmm. you know, causing damage to all of the different um, organs. Clearly, the ones it's going to cause damage to is the ones where the smallest veins are. Fingers, toes, circulation. Then we talk about organs, your eyes, your kidneys, those types of things. Those are the things where you can see that damage first. But certainly, as a young dietitian, I always thought, as long as you control your blood sugars, you're fine. Mm. But like I said, there's a little bit of variance where it's a little bit too high for too long. So one doctor said, have, if you have diabetes for 20 years, you're guaranteed to start to have eye issues no matter what, even if you have pretty good control. So, you know, if you're going to have eye issues, you're likely going to have other issues and other systems that are going to be affected. 
this is just, I know for some situations, um, we don't have control over it and you end up with diabetes. Like yes. that's just the way it is. But for those of us who do have control, this is such a good yeah. kick in the pants to yes. remember like, oh, I should probably try a little harder in some of these areas. Yes. And I feel like I just need that once in a while yeah. to be like, mm, yep, mm-hmm. I should. And you know, I think be bef- mindful before Thanksgiving is probably a good time yeah. for us to realize this. So we're all mm-hmm. going to change our Thanksgiving menu. <laughs> <laughs> and especially if there's, you know, think about uh, this if you have family members that have diabetes mm-hmm. how are you going to change that thanksgiving dinner menu a little bit mm-hmm. do we have to change it extravagantly no you can still have turkey you can still have ham and mashed potatoes and those types of things but instead of having candied carrots and sweet and sweet potatoes and green bean casserole could we lighten a few things at the table, Mm -hmm. you know? And instead of having such extravagant desserts, could we just do some fresh fruit that might have a little less carbohydrate? And it not only good for those that have diabetes around us, but also good for ourselves, like you said, Laura. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, if we can, we can all just be a little more mindful. We can just slip into maybe convenient habits where yes. we grab something that's maybe prepackaged and not as good for us. Maybe yeah. if we can just um, and avoid build in some... avoid gas stations altogether for the most part. Yeah, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Those can get us in trouble pretty quickly. Yeah, Ugh. yeah. Talk talks a little about drinks. I know that's something that I often will. I. I love a good juice or a smoothie and all yep. of those. And sometimes perhaps I should be choosing water instead yeah. or um, even a sports drink. I feel like it's helpful to be reminded about those things yeah. too. Good, very good question, Laura. So I tell every patient that walks in my office, especially if they have kids, learn to love water at a young age and mm. exercise. <laughs> mm-hmm. Learn to love it and make it just a normal part of your everyday. Because lots of people say, I hate water learn to love it Mm -hmm. so number one we need water all the time water doesn't affect anything we need it to hydrate us when it comes to other beverages you know your typical black coffee perfectly fine a little dehydrating so be mindful yes once we add the steamed milk and the delicious sugars to it that's when it kind of starts to change Mm -hmm. um when you look at other options obviously sodas have carbohydrate sports drinks have usually a little less than a soda would still have carbohydrate juice is right up there with soda that's going to have about the same amount of carbohydrate maybe a healthier option as far as it has vitamins and minerals but still has a ton of carb smoothies also are going to have a lot of carbohydrate remember they're usually made from fruit Mm -hmm. so if you're going to do a smoothie get one that's got some vegetables in it you know it has some spinach has some kale has some avocado has some of those types of things in it to just lighten up the carbohydrate load a little bit Mm mm-hmm those are great reminders. I think it's, yeah, easy and they're tasty to grab. So yes. but we should keep our water bottles handy and full and yes. um, and for our kids too. It's always, do you have your water bottle? As you're going out the door. Yes, so, every day. Yes, absolutely. Well, we're just about out of time today, Katie. Is there anything else you want to make sure we mention as far as National Diabetes Awareness Month goes? You know, a good discussion today. So thank you guys Mm -hmm. for that. Number one, just be aware. Be aware. How am I feeling? What can I do to make a few changes? Like Laura said, maybe this is our little kick in the pants, our wake up (laughs) moment of, okay, going into the holiday season, I need to make some changes to prevent all of these things we've talked about. Mm -hmm. Um, be aware, do a little self-check. If you're questioning it, get into the doctor and get checked out. All it is is one little lab test. Not a big deal. Then when it comes to you know supporting others, learn a little bit about it and do what you can to support others. There's tons of people, like we said, 1 in 10, 1 in 13 or 
around us that have diabetes, it's very prevalent. Let's support each other as much as we possibly can mm-hmm. and just make good, healthy lifestyle choices. Excellent. Thank you for this great information today, Katie. Really appreciate it. We hope you've enjoyed our Prairie Doc radio program. And we'll listen again for Prairie Doc brought to you by the Avera Medical Group Brookings. Please follow the Prairie Doc on Facebook and YouTube. For free and easy access to the entire Prairie Doc library, visit www.prairiedoc.org. And look for Prairie Doc wherever you find your podcast. My thanks to Katie Vanderwall for joining us today. And as Dr. Holm would say, stay healthy out there, people.